Hi, Secreters. Sorry, I had a little bit of a technical difficulty with my group setup here and uh, my ability to be able to record on the podcast, but I'm hopefully going to work that out. I will redo this video and I will post it there for the YouTube. Um, I wanted to talk about poem number two today. So I'll read it in its entirety and then we're going to discuss it and break it down. So it says in our handy dandy book, at the place where jewels abound, 15 rows down to the ground, in the middle of 21, from end to end, only three stand watch. As the sound of friends fills the afternoon hours, here is a sovereign people who build palaces to shelter their heads for a night. Gnomes admire, Faye's delight, the namesake's meeting near this site. So, super cryptic poem, right? <laughs> um, we have a few elements here. One, when we think about uh, the Chicago solve, and we think about how the kids all went through line by line to figure out where to dig for the cask. Throughout that poem, there were lots of visual clues, right? Uh, the Congress street, the, uh, the train track, the where M and B are set in stone, um, which we later find out was, you know, Beethoven and Mozart. So we have a little touch on, you know, classical uh, music there. Um, but overall, it was a walkthrough visual poem. So in the Cleveland poem, you had to envision between or beneath two countries. And so there's the historical element. And then you had to walk through it with the visual clues, right? So then you get to Boston and you have similarly walk through clues plus visual identifiers. So then we go to this poem number two and we say, all right, there's definitely some walkthrough clues. Uh, what are the visual identifiers and what is the historical element, if there is one? I believe that as the poems got harder, they all basically contained at least one, if not possibly two or more references as the poems got deeper uh, with a little bit more difficulty. So when we think of at the place where jewels abound. So this line always strikes me as interesting because if we're taking his literal word, where are the jewels? They're in New York, right? So that could lead some people to think, whoa, 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 wait a minute. This could actually mean New York. At the place where jewels abound. Because nobody has said it's absolutely 100% Mardi Gras, that's where all the jewels are because there's beads there. True, we also know that 
New Orleans wasn't the first city to have Mardi Gras. It was actually where the French capital was, which was in La Mobile, Alabama. So when we think about, well, the territory, I should say, um, of the time frame that Byron's trying to allude to here, um, where did that thought even come from, right? Where, why would you immediately think New Orleans uh, with this specific line? So we have to think about that. We have to know, is this something that, oh, for 40 years, people have just said it's this. Have there been direct links in any of the information and the documentations we have from Byron or other interviews that he gave, anything that would lead people to think this is absolutely New Orleans? Don't know. Could it be New Orleans? Sure. Anything's possible, right? Because this is a place of theories. <laughs> so, but when, but when I read that line, I can't help but wonder if he wasn't being literal and saying at the place where jewels abound. So maybe you can think about this and work through your own puzzle and your own walkthrough in your head for where you think this might go. Um, but it's an interesting thought and it has to be at least pondered on some. So he says 15 rows down to the ground. So clearly wherever you are, you're going to be going 15 rows down to the ground. So is he implying bricks in a, in a wall? Is he implying a staircase? Is he implying some other thought for historical purposes? As in there were 15 rows of soldiers in this place down to the ground. So these are things that we have to ponder when we are trying to decipher these verses. What is the literal meaning? What is the inference? Okay, is he wanting us to think about something? Is he wanting us to see something? And so then from end to end, so we're still obviously probably working on a visual there, right? From end to end, I mean, a book, doesn't have an end to end, right? Has a beginning to end. So only three stand watch. And so that's interesting because if only three are standing watch, that lends us to think that he's talking about statues, right? He's talking about something standing guard. So we have to think about statues of people, statues of animals. That could be the only inference that I could see from three stand watch. So as the sound of friends fills the afternoon hours. So this is interesting. Uh, in 1980, at this time, um, when Byron wrote this book, there's one place, and even still to today, there is a city you can fill up your cup and walk around and refill it and enjoy your afternoon. Do you know where that is? That's Savannah. Savannah, 
Georgia. So here we have another place to think about, right? As a possibility. Whoa, whoa, wait a minute. If we really think about this, because they actually have had this open, open container law for decades. So, and that was way before New Orleans. Not to say it's not New Orleans. I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. I only want people to really macerate, if I could use that word, let this kind of soak in and process it. So here is a sovereign people who build palaces to shelter their heads for a night. So then that leads us over, grab my book here, to the quote, the hint book. So we go to the hint book and it says, fills the hours, fills the afternoon hours, literally translates in Japanese to fill the afternoon hours, find things to do in the afternoon, well, but if you fix this to a more easy thought, the direct expression is question mark. So that kind of makes you wonder, okay, we got to be in a place where people are out and about in the afternoons, they're filling up a cup and they're having a good time and they're enjoying their afternoon. So then, he only gives us two hints for this poem, by the way. Line eight through nine, he says, here's a sovereign people who build palaces to shelter their heads for a night. This is a quote from a famous book. Now go through a dictionary of quotations. So a dictionary of quotations is not abroad in America, <laughs> okay? Uh, dictionary of quotations is exactly what he's saying, which is a dictionary of quotations. The question is, which one, right? Are we looking at the Oxford Dictionary of Quotations, which would be English, by the way, that's an English publication, uh, or are we looking at the Bartlett's famous quotations, or what book in 1980 that was a quotations book would have been popular enough and relevant enough to be on the shelf in the Brooklyn Public Library. That's the book you need. So when we look at these quotations, we go, okay, Byron. Okay, so you're saying it's Sarmiento Faustino's quotation here, okay? We figured that out. The question is, what is he inferring by it? Is he saying, this is a Spanish poem because Sarmiento was Hispanic. Is he saying, look at the book that he quoted it in so you can get a reference for my theories and thoughts on this verse. So then we go to Sarmiento's travels in the United States. And so we know that Sarmiento was president um, and well, and a statesman. He was an educator. He was a writer. Uh, he loved Benjamin Franklin. He tried to emulate Benjamin Franklin's thoughts and ideas. You know, Ben Franklin was a real interesting character back in the day when he decided to move to Philadelphia and set up his little publication shop. And 
he had many ideals, obviously, for how to run a government, which coincidentally, by the way, they were used whenever the Constitution was created. And we have to wonder why. You know, in Argentina, as a president, he was wanting to figure out how to model a good government for his country. One of the things that he thought he would do was travel to uh, various places in North America to glean insight for how governments were run. Now we know in the secret book, Byron talks specifically about various things with government inferences, right? Talks about the, um, the giants, right? The, the, the robber barons. We talk about presidents. Um, we talk about people that affect the economy. Um, all of these inferences are in the secret book. So when we look at Sarmiento, okay, Sarmiento traveled to New York, Canada, Boston, Baltimore, and Philadelphia, Washington, Washington, D.C., and Cincinnati before he left. You get this, okay? He, when he left, he got on a boat in a port in New Orleans. So, he was in New Orleans when he made that comment. Now, the realism of Sarmiento Faustino is that in this book, he talks about the sad findings of America. He says that basically, um, they fought for independence from Britain, but then turned around and created a very similar classification system in America that was no different than when they were under British rule. He saw slavery in the worst lights when he was here in North America. So he wrote about this in the book and said, wow, you know, while I can appreciate the idea of how their government was founded and, and built, the slavery element is like no different than telling all the peasants in Great Britain or England at the time that they were lower class citizens and you were going to be kept there. So then the question really becomes, what is poem two really about? Is it about slavery? Is it about he spent one night in New Orleans? Or is this further introspection into this book that gleans insight for where a possible cast could be? One of the things that think that you need to think on as well, and if you can, and if you can find the book, it's a good one. It's, it's old. <laughs> Might find it kind of cheap. Took me a little while to find it. But understanding what Faustino was saying uh, makes clear ties into the poem about a sovereign people. Now, 
one of the things that comes to mind too, if we're in the path of New York, right? If we think, okay, he says, in the place where jewels abound. So you go, all right, well, the jewels are in New York because Byron has them, <laughs> okay? They're in a bank vault. How many times did Byron say in multiple publications, I have the jewels, they are safely put away in a bank vault, all right? Well, then we go, well, at the time in 1980, there was not as many banks in downtown Manhattan as there are today. So that would narrow down the search from about where the jewels might have been. If we're thinking a New York theory, okay, just off the cuff. And we know that Faustino visited there. Uh, we know some of the sites that he saw there. But then we have, and Byron's tricky, right? He's clever. He throws in these other little elements that go, well, it could be here. Well, it could be there. And, and that's where sometimes I really feel that this puzzle becomes so dizzying and you really lack this ability to kind of see out, right? Like you got into the corn maze and then you're like, I know I can do this. This is easy. We got this spot, this spot, this spot. Wait, where am I? Where did I just go? Didn't I just come that way? I mean, how many of you had these kinds of feelings when you're trying to look through and decipher this information? So whenever we're looking at this and then we go to the very last line, right? Which, like I said, I know I threw in Savannah at you because of their cup laws. Um, something I have to think about because Savannah is mentioned in the book. And then, you know, we have, you know, gnomes admire phase delight. Well, everybody's like, ah, oh, that's totally, he's totally talking about the Marquis de Lafayette. You know, that's, you know, that that's who he's talking about. Well, you know, gnomes, gnomes, right? Gnomes, for the most part, are not French. Gnomes got their beginnings from Germany. So, and then we'll go to Phase Delight. The namesakes meeting near this site. So then we go Phase. He definitely is insisting on some fairies, right? Some Phase Delight, because Fae is another term for fairy. So we have the gnomes admire it. So the Germans like it. Fae's delight, the fairies like it. Question is which Fae, because Fae can mean multiple countries in multiple mythology and folklore. And then we have the namesakes meeting near the site. So the namesake, the namesake of the author, <clears throat> of Byron? Is he saying my namesake? The namesake, the way it is written, could very well imply that, could imply that he's talking about himself or the namesake's meeting, meaning the namesake of the park. So the name of the park, he could be inferring the meeting that took place with the name of the person of the park near this site. 
So then you begin to wonder, is he implying that it is on some kind of athletic field? Because that would be near the site in the park, near where the park was named. Now, I don't know. You tell me, right? We're deciphering this together. We're talking about these different elements. We don't know if Sarmiento really meant New Orleans. I mean, it's clever to think that Byron would have put that and not meant, are we talking about the Spaniard author? Could be. He could be inferring that's a Spanish poem. He could be inferring something's in New Orleans. Which park? Which connotation? German park? Why would a French painting have a French immigrant group? It's because the French painting means something and then the gem means the group for whatever area it's buried in. Okay, they don't have to be mutually exclusive. And we have to remember that. And we also have to remember to keep an open mind because it's things like this that lead us down paths of other possibilities that hadn't even been thought about in 40 years. And I think Byron wanted us to think about it. I think he wanted us to see, you know, if he is naming these quotes in these verses, we need to understand why. So I'm excited to hear what you think. I'll take the backlash from all the peeps that think it's in New Orleans. That's okay. <laughs> I just want us to have some logical thought, apply it, share ideas. Maybe it'll trigger something for someone that's like, ah, it could possibly be this park. And that's the spirit that Byron wanted you to have. That's what we have to remember as a solid group. It's fun, it's history, it's building camaraderie in a community that Byron never would have known it would have flourished into. And we gotta make him proud. And we gotta do our thinking. So let me know what you think. I'll be back on the waves shortly when I get my apple running. And you guys have a blessed Tuesday afternoon. Very on. <laughs>